shenanigans that go on when the camera's not rolling and I mean this past year I've kind of been exposed to that the hard way uh, but I take it as a double-edged sword of like if it wasn't for that then I don't think I would have had the year that I've had I don't think uh, I would have you know I don't think I would have stepped into my own little groove because uh, sometimes like doing your doing your thing with your art takes real pain it takes real pain to kind of tap into that like deeper like side of you that you need to kind of make something a little better than it already is so it's kind of a double edge am i having fun yeah but hopefully like this next year we can kind of get the ball rolling a little more hopefully things start to open up a little more too like just with you know certain cities and capacities and and regulations and whatnot because i know we're all still kind of got that in the back of our heads but man hopefully like Hopefully, like this next year, I can have a lot more fun than I'm having right now. Not to say that I'm not having any fun, because I'm having a blast doing some stuff. But you know, next year looks a lot brighter. Well, no doubt, no doubt. And, and it's great that you bring that up. Talk to me a bit about those frustrations, man. Like, like, is, is it is it more of the traveling issues, or is it more of the booking? Or, I, or I, I feel like there was truth uh, when you were speaking uh, at the showcase a little while back. Yeah. It's a bedlam pipe bomb, so to speak. So to speak, oh, right? Oh, y'all gonna pull it up? Yes, yeah. sir. Y'all gonna pull it up? Yes, sir. I mean, okay. you guys won't be able to hear it, uh, but the fans at home will. Um, that's just Behold, who is the company? Behold, who is the company that gives me okay. a call? It's a company I've never even worked Ooh. for. Inspire AD. This is a moment. I hate yeah. watching back my own shit. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you're trying to do, You're trying to hit your wagon to the horse that is Teflon John so you can profit off my hard work. Oh. Woo! Oh, 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 oh. And while I'm at it, while 
No, 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 no. While I'm at it, I see the leeches are out tonight. It's well, not just like, this. It's the nine other boys here like, you know that are trying to find <laughs> the next guy <laughs> that they can make a quick buck off while they hand him an envelope with not nearly enough money to pay his bills in a post-pandemic world. That's something that not just wrestlers be feeling, but all these people be feeling too. So guess what? Guess what? If you want to use Teflon Sean to make a quick buck in the wrestling business, by all means, you're looking at the golden goose that can carry your company. But you better be willing to pay me what I'm worth. And when these boys get out here, call me an artist, because I'm going to use this canvas to paint a masterpiece on their ass. Yeah. Painting yeah. masterpieces, Johnny. Talk to me a minute about that promo, man. How'd you feel? What what inspired that? And, and, and what, 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 what brought you to that moment, man? Because you was killed. Well, man. Well, man, you know, uh, I kind of, I actually, I met with a, uh, a comedian <laughs> down here in San Antonio. Uh, he goes by the name of Jay Whitecotton. And I talked to this guy and we were kind of, uh, we were kind of fleshing out some ideas of, you know, where I wanted to kind of take the character, um, where I wanted to kind of go within the next six months to a year. Uh, and, you know, like originally I had kind of based my, my image around uh paul wall and like the houston rap scene from the mid 2000s uh, but lo and behold man like my my guy brian keith uh <laughs> is just absolutely killing it um and he's he's owning that like that is him like brian was born in, brian was born and raised in greens point which is right outside of houston like that is his culture that's who he is man and like once I honestly, once I heard him come out to Still Tip, and I was like, man, I got to change my shit. So uh, <laughs> I was, I was like, you know, and, and, yeah, man. And like, it, like, if it was anybody else besides VK, I really wouldn't switch it. But man, I respect VK so much. Like that dude has grinded so long and so hard to see him get all the stuff that he's getting right now. It's much well-deserved. Um, but I kind of wanted to take it in a, in a route that was kind of more me. And so me and... Uh, Jay, we're talking, and we were just talking about, uh, like, you know, there's not a lot of, like, everybody in wrestling nowadays wants to be a star. Like, I feel like their ego kind of gets in the way of the overall picture. You know, when was the last time you had a story about, you know, the common man that is, like, scratching and clawing, you know, not just to get opportunities, but to get paid, to get money? Like, we're living in a time right now where half the world's broke man, people are walking out of their jobs and they're not showing up to work because they don't get paid enough. They can't pay their rent. They can't pay their bills, you know? And so like, it's kind of close to home, you know, you show up to a show and you're only getting paid in a certain amount out of an envelope. And it's like, man, I'm barely going to break even on this trip home. Like sometimes that kind of gets to you, man. And you, you hate the times when you're taken advantage of because like you just want an opportunity or you want a chance uh, so it was kind of like an amalgamation of a lot of things. It was a lot of things that were kind of built up after a while. And, you know, man, I'm going to be the first to say that I haven't been in this business very long. I've only been in this business like three to four years right now. Um, but you kind of see it like happen very early on. And luckily I saw it very early on. So that way I could kind of guard myself 
as to when it happens again. And I'm not trying to say that I got a big head or anything, because believe me, that's the last thing I want. But it's kind of that crossroads too, where I'm starting to kind of know my worth a little bit. Talk your shit, Johnny. Give it. <laughs> don't, don't humble yourself to these motherfuckers. Get that. You know what you worth. That's excellent, man. And um, so I'll be honest, right? Uh, we've been kind of keeping our eye on New Texas Pro, and then like you came on our radar, and the first thing I saw from you actually was a Twitter promo. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You could have promo. Shit, I don't. I don't remember. It was. Oh, I, I know what it is. So it, you, it was you cutting on Kiefer. Okay. Uh, was it like the start of that? Um. So really, man. Like, I guess when I started to find my promo groove, um, it was actually with a company down here in San Antonio called Heavy Metal Wrestling, and uh, we had kind of gone through some stuff like on the business end, uh, where we were all just kind of like feeling some type of way, and we didn't really know how to express it, and so you know. Some of some of the heavy metal vibes have always been like an homage to you know that underground feel that ECW had back in the '90s, and I was like, well, man, let me be your let me be your Mick Foley. Let me let me get the camera for about six seven minutes and let me just talk. You know, let me spew something. So I went home, wrote wrote some stuff down. Next day, slapped the journal and I was like, hey, let's film this right now. And uh, we filmed it and we put it out and like the the reception from the boys at least was like, man, this is something that I've been wanting someone to say for a long time. And and after that, man, I started to kind of get my groove a little bit. I started getting more comfortable in front of the red light because a lot of people, when they see that red light, they freeze up, especially when they got a mic in their hands, right. you know? Um, so I just got more comfortable and luckily, man, like all props to Kiefer and and Dylan, who runs Heavy Metal, man, they allowed me to pick up a live mic. They allowed me to film myself, to to put myself out there because, you know, half of this game is on the stick. And I've always felt like that was the place where I was more comfortable. You know, I can spend my years perfecting my craft in the ring, but if you ain't able to talk on the stick, you know, you're not gonna get very far in this business. And that's that's just my opinion. But you look at the greats and they could all carry the crowd when they had that mic in their hands. So as long as I got that down, I feel like I'll be all right. I literally told the same thing to Old School when he showed me that promo from you. That's the same same thing. Like, like you have to be great at the mic. And this guy got it. He's got it. Like, yo. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Holy shit. And I'm glad that you said, like, the greats got it. Right, because yeah. you trained with one. How, what was, yes, what I was did. it like? Right, right. What was it like being a part of Roe and uh, you know, under the tutelage of Booker T, a, a great talker himself? Yeah, man. You know, uh, I will say Booker. With Booker, what you saw on TV was what you got, man. Uh, I was blown away that like his personality on screen like really carries over when he's behind the curtain and he's teaching us stuff. He's one of the most animated people that I've ever met. Uh, to sit under his learning tree was something that I appreciated a lot. And I actually, I moved from San Antonio to Houston, uh, packed my bags and went to go learn for about two years. Uh, one of the, Some of the most knowledgeable two years I've ever had, man. Um, we would sit down in his office and we would watch film like some of his matches, he would break down film with us. He'd look at our matches, he'd break down stuff. 
uh, that knowledge is very expensive and it's something that you shouldn't take for granted. And I also had a lot of good trainers out there at Row, uh, guys like Gino Medina, uh, guys like Ryan Davidson, Rex Andrews, JJ Blake, guys that, you know, learned from book, they taught us, and now we can teach, you know, right. the guys that come after us. It's, it's trickle down economics uh, in the best way possible. Um, so like sitting under history was something that, you know, I'm never gonna like take for granted at all. Uh, and I appreciate the two years that I got from it. Was Booker T somebody that you watched growing up? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I remember in third grade, I did a spin a Rooney in, in PE. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I kind of nailed it. And then that was one of the like side quests in life that I had. I was like, man, I want to, you know, be able, I want to be able to, as soon as you did it. Like, yeah, <laughs> man, I want to be able to do a spin a Rooney at some point. And uh, I think I busted one out in a match down in the down here in the valley. Um, yeah, I busted one out, and I was like, oh shit, man, I'm like okay, I can do this. So uh, yeah, I love I loved watching Book, man. Um, his King Booker stuff was right around the time that I started getting back into wrestling and then, you know, seeing him on seeing him on commentary especially oh, yeah. where he got to he got to show more of his personality that everybody knew he already had. Yeah. But some of that stuff and then uh, I heard a guy one time say that Booker was one of the greatest uh, WCW wrestlers because he's the only one that came over to WWE after they bought it and succeeded long term. Wow, that's um, a great point. That's a great, great Yeah, point. which uh which I, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, you're right. So I, I hold Booker in high regard, man. To me, he's one of the best to ever lace up. Right. What was, and this is probably the most important question of the night, so I, I hope you really think about this. What oh, okay. did <laughs> <laughs> What did Booker say when he saw you do that motherfucking Spinner Rooney? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, Tell well, me I don't know if you just do that. <laughs> well, well, I don't know if you ever saw it, man. Because oh. books, books got a thousand things to do uh, in one day. So I don't know if you ever saw it. Um, but the guy who uh, produces Row, uh, Kevin Bernhardt, which shout out to Kevin, man. He's one of the best producers, uh, maybe in the nation, when it comes to wrestling, uh, producing reality of wrestling. He gave my Spinner Rooney an eight out of ten, I think. So, nice. So I just kind of like say his word is Booker's word. So we'll say Book rated it an eight out of ten. So we're all good on this. The King's outside Man. of Book, who else uh, was kind of like your uh, I don't say wrestling idols, but but who who are who are your other wrestling favorites? Um, so I, down here in San Antonio, I actually growing up went to the same church as Shawn Michaels out here. Uh, so I would see Sean in the halls when I was like five or six, you know, I, I'd see him on a Sunday and then the next Monday he'd be on raw. Um, so I, I would have to say that he was the guy that brought me in, um, because I wasn't really allowed to watch wrestling in the mid two thousands cause I was a young child. And for obvious reasons, you know, <laughs> it wasn't the best, wasn't the best thing for a six year old kid to be watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like seeing Sean on there gave me the ability to to watch. And, uh, you know, I remember around 2007, he had that match with Cena where they went an hour on Raw. And oh, yeah. after that, I started watching like day and night, man. Uh, some of the other ones were, you know, Jeff Hardy, of course, when he was doing his uh, world title runs. Uh, Punk, 
of course, man. Like I was a CM Punk guy through and through. Um, and then just, you know, kind of whoever came about, like uh, Shinsuke was another big one that I just like, I got enthralled with. Shinsuke, Omega, of course. Um, getting into the older, you know, all Japan stuff now. So guys like Kenta Kobashi, um, guys that, you know, just make things look real. I love that match with Kenta Kobashi and Samoa Joe. It's like one of my favorite things, especially in the Japanese commentary, just because it adds like an extra feel to it, man. Um, so those guys really like guys that just seemed intense too. Um, there's something to be said about a guy with intensity. Like, I think that's what's mi missing in a lot of people sometimes is that sometimes you have to show that this means something to you. And if it doesn't mean anything to you, you shouldn't be here. Oh, that's big facts, man. That's big facts. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that's a lot of, a lot of wrestlers that, that could use more of that, I feel, as well. Mm. Um, and you convey that in your in your promos. That That's oh. that's part of, that's that's part of your thing. glow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big facts on that, for sure. The the delivery on that is no 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 lie. Um, yeah. You, you, um... You're doing your thing, 2021. Um, we all uh, had suffered a setback or, or whatnot with, with the pandemic. Um, do you feel like you've bounced back um, in, in, a, in a well? You, nobody's had, nobody's really um, recovered or fully, you know, bounced back to, from you. But do you feel like you're in a level right now where you can produce and perform comfortably at least and travel? Uh, to a degree, yeah. Um. Yeah, like last year was kind of rough for everybody. Uh, you know, my day job, I got laid off towards the end of the year, um, which kind of sucked, man. You know, it did give me a lot more time to focus on wrestling and to kind of hone my craft. Okay. Uh, but a lot of the stuff outside of of the ring was kind of hit or miss. And uh, honestly, like being 23 um, this past year has kind of been just... It, you know, the Blink-182 song, man. Nobody likes it when you're 23. Like, just... It, it's just... This shit was spitting, man. Um, That's getting different but, this year. Yeah, you know? Uh, but but I digress, man. Like, this past year's taught me a lot. I've kind of gotten more in touch with me as a person, kind of who I am. Uh, a little, I guess, if you want to call it self-actualization, um, that could be some kind of route you want to take. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. You know, just kind of, kind of letting some stuff go, and also, you know, growing into the the crossroads of like you have a chance to reinvent yourself into whatever you want to be. You know, the time of being a college kid is over. Um, you kind of have your own identity now of what you believe in, what you stand for. So now it's kind of like let's go into the into the rest of the time that we have on this earth and let's do something with it beautiful man. beautiful that's like, deep <laughs> that's deep you hit up you hit hearts and shit we're like damn yo. yeah that's, <laughs> so yeah cool. uh so, someone told me to come on here and just start talking about like eastern philosophy just blow you guys' minds <laughs> um, but, uh, let's talk about mindfulness <laughs> yeah but but i'm not gonna go too far tonight <laughs> What'd you, all right, so you're, you're a college kid, right? So what'd you major in? What, what was your major? Um, so I graduated uh, May of 2020, so right when the pandemic happened. Uh, I graduated with a major in psychology and a minor in communications. Um, 
So if I go back and get a master's van, I'd probably switch it to communication just because I feel like that's more up my alley. But we'll see, man. You know, like my student loans are coming back real soon. Uh. <laughs> yeah i'm never going back to school but when those student loans start creeping up you're like yo if i go back to school you mean i don't have to pay this for a little bit longer yeah that's yeah. true dude for real for real that, that tricked me into going back a couple years so now, <laughs> now i'm even deeper in the hole <laughs> dude i do you get the shoot to pay for it <laughs> yeah man you know like part of me has been like do i want to get like a big boy job like sitting in office get like a salary but it's like man i'm still i'm still 23 you know like yeah. this is time that i'm not going to get back uh so it's kind of weighing out what i want to do and figuring out like how i want to live you know the young part of my life because one day i'm going to be like 40 42 i don't want to look back on this and say that i kind of wasted it just trying to grab paper man like you know money money to me is a is a very important part of the game but it's not the game itself so what is what does a big boy job look like for Johnny Bedlam? Shoot, man. Um, you know, man, my mom was a teacher. Um, don't do it. So I've always had... <laughs> what? He said don't, don't do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. I, like, you know, like, she's she's been bitching me about, like, trying to get into that field. But I just, like, again, I hear nightmare stories from people that are teachers that I know just like, man, especially right now, like, don't do that shit. It's, don't, it's, don't do that. Um, it's a profession right now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, man, there's a lot of avenues that I can go down. There's a lot of stuff that I'm interested in. I've also, you know, dabbled in kind of like screenwriting and uh, creative writing. So maybe something like wow. down that route. Uh, you never know, man. I still got a lot of time to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Uh, and it, and it, lo and behold, if it ain't, if it ain't wrestling, uh, there's still a lot of good opportunities that I got in my back pocket. Ooh, you got yeah, tricks? Yeah, you never, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's who you meet and what you know. Uh, you know the old saying, I don't, yeah. I don't fucking no, know. Big, big, big. <laughs> who you know, not what you know. Yeah, so, I, something, something like, like that. that. So. <laughs> the saying out here in Tennessee might be in Texas. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, you you you've held some some quite some gold in your in your heyday here now. Um, yeah. What the, what's it feel like to be a champion and then carry responsibility for uh, for promotion? Um, well, besides carrying around the belt, which is like the biggest rib of them all, um, <laughs> it's it's humbling, man. You know, it's like to me, winning a title is like some somebody telling you, okay. I trust you. I trust you with something. I trust you with this. Uh, I trust you to be a guy that's going to kind of make your own path. That's going to help talk people into the building. That's going to help draw eyes to my company. Like I give you this title and I trust you with it. Um, and I feel like I've been able to do that with any title that I've really held. Uh, I've been able to kind of elevate the product, not say to like a huge degree, but even to a degree where it's just like, I have people, you know, if I'm a champion, I have people outside the arena talking about the promo that I did leading up to it. You know, that to me blew my mind, or like people buying my shirts with my face on it and, you know, that supporting hurts. my journey. Like seeing seeing that as you're holding a title kind of does something to you of like, okay, I gotta keep rolling. I gotta keep the ball going at the speed that I have it at. Because once you kind of get that momentum, you don't wanna let up. And 
Uh, I feel like I did that with a lot of the titles that I held. Um, I think I've held about eight in my four year career, which ain't too shabby, man. Um, hey, good. Uh, the two, the two that I'm really proud of are the uh, heavy metal television championship and the new Texas pro Lone Star championship. Uh, uh, those two to me. Yeah, man, those two to me helped me kind of find my groove a little more and kind of helped me find like just exactly what I wanted to do with those titles. And, you know, I'm really grateful that those guys trusted me to carry them. Big facts, man. Big facts. And it's just... So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that Lone Star Championship. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of surprised none of you motherfuckers got I was waiting for somebody. I was like, I smiled and everything. <laughs> Max Heights. Yeah, what about him? <laughs> what about that guy? What about him is what I want to ask you. How do you feel about that motherfucker stopping at your train? Here you are. You're, you're, you're carrying what you say is one of your favorite runs, right? You're running your favorite titles. And here comes this motherfucker to stop you in your tracks. How are you feeling about that? What does the road to redemption look like for Johnny Bedlam against Max Heights? You know, man, here's the thing about Max, bro. Uh, when I first touched with Max, he didn't have that fire. He didn't have that gumption inside him that was like willing to dig, dig in like the pit of his stomach to, to pull out a win. Uh, you know, and I got my hands on him and I took that title from him. And lo and behold, the next three matches that we had where we kept up in the stakes, I started to see his intensity rise. I started to see his, uh, his drive kind of excel forward. And, you know, props to him now. He's putting on matches that are, you know, stellar, exquisite, man. Uh, his match with Cole Radrick uh, last night uh, for Hocus Pocus was really good, really awesome. Um, uh, and I watched him wrestle Chris Carter, where he was just smooth. Like, uh, you know, Max has done a lot of good stuff. But, hey, man, like, I don't forget, dude. Uh, and, you know, to me, it's 2-2 right now. We've had four matches. It's 2-2. Someone needs to get that deciding fall. So I'm not saying that I should be in line for that belt. But just remember, I never got my rematch. So if I need to stake my claim, that's what I'm going to do. Talk what you're saying is that talk. you made him that champion. So what yeah, you, you can say that. Is your, that's what you should say to Max motherfucking Heights. You're welcome. You welcome. Yeah, <laughs> you welcome, bro. You know, you carried around that title that I mean, like, hey, granted, honestly, I never said I quit in that match. So technically, that title's still mine. Bars, he is carrying that shit around. He He's just he carrying that around for me, man. And you know, I, I, I see that he's got his new little boy. He's got uh, Rick Gang, his little manager. But man, he best keep that title away from me because if I get my hands on that title, I'll take Rike and I'll stick that title where the sun don't shine. Man. Oh, big fact! And it's got a jagged, it's got a jagged edge on one of the stars, <laughs> so you know that shit's oh. not gonna feel good at all. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna make this shit anatomically accurate. Yeah, man, for real. My it's gonna, it's gonna look like a, it's gonna look like a Cronenberg film. It's gonna be bad. <laughs> Johnny Bedlam talking the talk, my guy. Do you keep doing your thing, man? I appreciate you for being with us tonight. Um, before we let you go though, 
We we do a lightning round that we close with. It's called the round of chair shots. And Mitch is gonna smack you with some chip with some hard questions right now. Go ahead, Mr. Yeah, the, the hardest of questions. Right. The hardest of okay, questions. Okay, man. Alright. <laughs> Keep me on my toes. Keep me on my toes, my guy. Let's go. Cheat meal. Cheat meal. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, local place here in San Antonio called Teddy B's. Man, they got a Hawaiian burger with uh, slices of pineapple, slices of ham and pineapple chunks. That shit is mwah, delicious. Uh, Shout outs uh, to the Hawaiian burger. Um, what's your favorite movie? Favorite movie, man. Um, shoot, you know what I can't go wrong with is Major League. Uh, nice. I love Major League, nice. um, but I was also a big Rocky guy when I was a kid. Um, Rocky Four, especially, man, like to me, that's the greatest movie soundtrack of all time. Um, but I will say, I did get into Dune recently, and that shit to me is like exquisite, like I, fantastic, I man. That might be, yeah, man, that might be top three, maybe for me. That shit is okay. awesome. Yeah. Gotta check that one out. Yeah, At first, yeah, I thought yeah. you said Doom, like the one with the rock. Oh, oh no, 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 that shit sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be real, man. Like, I, I wasn't a big fan of that one. Uh -oh. like, nah. oh, fucking he likes Doom. We skipped If you could pick a superpower, what would it be? Oh, uh, bro. I remember how I reacted when Thanos like rewound time and took that stone out of that dude's head. So that would be it. Like just to rewind shit and just kind of like do whatever I want, have no consequences. I feel like that'd be really cool. It'd be risky, but it'd be really cool, you know? Nice. That's dope. Uh, that's dope. See, I think that's the first time we've heard that one. Yeah. Time travel? That'd be, yeah. It's usually uh, some sort of travel situation, right? It's like, <laughs> everyone worries yeah. about you. Got to get from point A to point B because they want convenience, man. Yeah, and then all the creeps are like invisibility. Get <laughs> <Yes. laughs> away from all of the invisibility folks. Um, what is the worst purchase you've ever made? Oh, you know what, man? Uh, so when I was in high school, Cards Against Humanity was the cool thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember they had a big box. Uh and it was to hold all the cards. But my dumbass thought that all the cards were in the box. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I got home, I opened the box and I was I was looking at my buddy. I was like, hey, there's no cards in here. You just spent 20, $29 on a box, you know? Um, so that had to be the worst one, man. I took it right back to the Target and the lady was like, you'd be surprised this happens. All the, time. <laughs> All the time. So, uh, yeah, that made me feel a little better. I'm not the only schmuck that bought the $30 box. <laughs> um, who's someone you want to meet that's either real or fictional? Uh, let's see. Daniel Day-Lewis would be one. Mm. Um, I hear he makes shoes. I'd love to talk to him about making shoes. He makes um, shoes? Yeah, I hear he's like a woodworker. He he studied to be a woodworker with shoes for one of his movies, um, which I think is cool. I loved him in There Will Be Blood. Uh, I thought that movie was amazing. Um, another guy that I'd love to meet is uh, Paul McCartney, of course, you know, um, while he's still around. I don't know how long he's going to be around. Uh, <laughs> man's getting old. Uh, 
but there's there's a lot man um there's a lot of like eloquent minds out there that i'd love to just sit down and, and talk to you know a lot of artists that they have like a deeper sense of their work and not a lot of people can kind of see it um i'd love to just sit down with people and talk to them about like what they were going through when they were making stuff you know so like kanye <laughs> yeah man kanye's a mixed bag bro like, <laughs> You know, there's there's only so much you can do, but when your girls got you in a purple dinosaur suit, I don't want to talk to you anymore, man. I'm sorry, bro. That's thanks to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's the dumbest way you've been injured? Dumbest way I've been injured? Uh, like, you talking just wrestling or just in general? It could be in general. Well, okay. Just, um, I cannot believe that I'm this <laughs> over that bullshit. Yeah, man. Um, so I remember my sophomore year of high school, I fell off a skateboard. Uh, and it was just like on the street. I wasn't doing a trick or anything. I just slipped off the skateboard and I got like a bruise on my tailbone. And I had to deal with that thing for like two years after that, all from just falling off a skateboard. I was like, this is the dumbest fucking shit. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I was just trying to ride the skateboard and Lo and behold, I got this thing that turned into something that was way worse than it should have been uh, for over two years. Sometimes it still rears its ugly head. So that's by far the worst thing, the dumbest thing that I've had to deal with. Oh, that shit still comes up? Like, you're still like, uh, you get sore? Uh, yeah, every now and then, man. Like, if I take a bad bump or something, it'll rear its ugly head. I'll be like, oh, shit. Like, I'll take a moment, like in the match to kind of like be like oh man not that again like i hope oh, like oh, hope yeah, yeah. hope that didn't go the way i think it's gonna go <laughs> you're like now landing on my cheek for the rest of the yeah match. man uh-huh for real <laughs> all right so in your opinion johnny mm -hmm. Benton, what's more important the face of the heel oh uh, shoot man you know if you have a good heel from a worker standpoint if you have a good heel that can carry a match, that can dictate a pace, that can look at a crowd and just like, ooh, hatred, that's something. But man, if you've got a baby face that people are behind, I say that's way more important. You gotta have that hero. You gotta have that conquering guy that, you know, shows that he's not gonna give up. One of the things that Book always told us uh, when I was over there was find a kid in the crowd, just one singular kid and, and reach out and reach for his hand and, and make eye contact with him because that one kid will bring in all these other people and these people will bring in that people. So man, if you got if you got that guy that just has that thing that people are drawn to, man, there's nothing like that. You can make dollar signs on dollar signs for days. Who's your favorite wrestler? Currently or all time? Both. Mm, okay. So currently, man, um, I'm a big Nakamura guy. I just okay. love his intensity. I love his style. I love his movements. Um, he's a guy that I, that's another guy I would love to just sit down and talk to. Uh, but all time, man, uh, it'd have to be Sean. Uh, without a, without a doubt, without question, just because of the personal connection. Um, and besides the fact that he's one of, you know, the greatest to ever lace up, uh, I think Sean is, is the quintessential performer. Um, he knew that wrestling wasn't just wrestling, it was an art form. He had the expressions, he had the face, he had the mannerisms, the, the way to carry sympathy like no one else. Um, 
his match with Triple H at Taboo Tuesday in 2004, probably one of my favorite matches ever, just because it's a masterclass in selling by Sean. Um, he was able to do it like no other. And I think that's why even to this day, his stuff still holds up. I don't think I've ever heard anyone mention a Taboo Tuesday match as being their Yeah, favorite. man. You know, so when, you're, when, you're, when you're studying the game, you find a lot of hidden gems that not a lot of people remember or not a lot yes. of people think of right off yes. the bat. But that's one that sticks with me to this day, man. It's it's fantastic. You should go watch it. That one you put uh, some yeah. homework. That's, that's beautiful. That's some homework. That's a grapple theater, Vic. We're going to yeah, watch that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was one? Who, who did he fight? It was a Taboo Tuesday... Uh, it was Triple H. Triple, Triple H. H. Triple H. Triple H. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's on YouTube now. I think they just put it up. That's so, uh, Yo, if you're, yeah, if man, you're give willing, it a look. man, we could, we could set that up, man. We do a grapple theater where we just sit back, cool it, and watch matches. If you're willing to watch Yeah, that, man, I'd love man. to do that. I'd yeah, love to hop break it down that. and all that. And having your insight with us, watching, would be amazing. Because we get to pick yeah. your brain at it, too. So if ever you want to set that up, man, we can get that rolling. Absolutely, man. I'd be down for that. No doubt, no doubt, man. What is your favorite role to play? Face or heel? You know, man, like everybody likes to be healed because it's a lot easier to make people hate you than make them like you. Um, but myself in general, I love being a baby face just because the underdog story itself is more a testament to my life, you know? Um, I'm a little undersized, a little, you know, like from, not from like a rough like area or a rough upbringing. It's just an upbringing that has a lot of smoke and mirrors um, that I wasn't able to look past. And so, you know, you always feel like you're fighting from underneath. And I feel like every story has that person that's fighting from underneath. Um, and that's something that if you can tap into like your personal uh, animosity that you kind of hold in yourself, that's a role that I love playing because it allows me some kind of catharsis. And I think that's the one thing that people look to for wrestling is catharsis, man. We want to feel a certain way watching this shit. We want to feel a certain way when we see people and hear, hear people talk about things um, because we go through that. Everybody in wrestling is desperate for attention. That is the name of the game. We want attention so bad. And when we see like people clamoring for it, people like, desperately clawing to get that attention to get those opportunities that's the story that is so in tune with us because that's who we are you know so i love that shit nice right it, it's see like I, I agree with you man it's not i'm not crazy big into technical wrestling like i'm not a crazy fan of like chain wrestling and reversals i'm here for the story i want to see the story the ring psychology i want to hear i want to watch that underdog climb like i feel you with that bro do you yeah. have, do you have any like pre-show rituals, anything that kind of gets you in that headspace to get ready to ball out? Uh, you know, man, I talk to the god and the woo to protect my neck. Yeah. And, yes. And, <laughs> yes. And that's fucking woo. That's a. Uh, that's about it, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it, man. No, I just I kind of get myself together uh you know when you know that you're when you hear the bell for the match before you, you that's when uh that's when the stuff starts to kind of settle in uh and now nah, man once you go through that curtain you just you go you go there's no 
like stop you just keep going and then eventually it'll be over so whether you want it to be good or not that's up to you Woo, johnny man it has been a pleasure you have been such a bag of surprises i gotta say all right, your your answers tonight have blown me away from Taboo Tuesday. Right, we got into philosophy a little bit. <laughs> I, yeah, gonna... man. If if y'all bring me back, I might start spreading uh, some words about Taoism or some shit. So oh, you know, be careful. Book, <laughs> book that shit. I'm down. Um, what what's one thing you want to tell the fans? Let them know about you, right? People that don't know you, can let them get to know you. Who is Johnny Bedlam? Let him know. You know, I'm, hmm, shit. I'm just a kid from Texas, dog. I'm a kid from Texas that is doing something that not a lot of people can do. Uh, I'm a kid that knows who he needs to surround himself with. And I'm a kid who knows how good he is at what he does. And he knows he's not the best. He knows he's not the guy that people look to and he's, he's the man. He's not there yet, but he knows he can be. Um, and he's not afraid to talk the talk when he needs to, because sometimes the best thing you can do is keep running your mouth. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. And that's something that I've learned over these years is that, you know, the only person that's going to promote yourself is you. So you might as well be good at it and you might as well do it to the best of your ability. So that's who Teflon John is. Man, you want to talk about who Teflon John is though, shoot. That's a man with a silver tongue, dog. That's a man that's gonna take words, write them on paper and burn them and then remember them and roast your ass with the same fire. Like, you know, that's that's who I am. Uh, I'm a guy that ain't gonna back down. I'm not gonna take no shit from nobody because I've taken shit and I don't like the taste of it. Uh, I don't think anybody does. So, I mean, rest assured, like I've learned, I've become kind of a pit bull. A scrappy dog, you know. I'm a dog that got poisoned by their own pack, so rest assured, I ain't I ain't afraid to fight another one. Thank you so much, dog. Go ahead, Vic. Johnny, man, thank you again. I appreciate your time. We were blessed to have you tonight, my guy. Um, one thing's for sure, uh, if you're ever in the East Coast area, my God, please be sure to let us know because the first round is on the bad guys. And we, we are gonna kick it for sure, my guy. We gonna, yo, All right, man. You know, I'll hold you. I'll hold you to that first round. Yo. Shoot, if if laws change, I might bring y'all a little something, something. Yo, like, woo! Woo! We, we good on our end. We good on this side. Yeah, man. You gotta come yeah, to the East Coast. We go. We good on this yeah, side, man. I rest assured, bro. If Teflon John ever touches down in your town, you best be ready to party on yo, the East Side, bro. <laughs> Johnny, I can't wait to get you that first round, my guy. We're going to kick it. We're going to do the damn thing. And we might have to go out to Texas ourselves, man, and catch you. Who in the hey, man, you're, you're always welcome in the friendship state, my guy. Oh, no doubt, <laughs> my guy. Appreciate you, man. You have yourself a great night. And nothing but blessedness and greatness for the for the future, man. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me very much. All right, no doubt, Same man. Peace. It was a pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Yeah, subscribe and like, hit that button right now. All right, follow us on Twitch, SoundCloud, iTunes, your mother's.